by really a single society, the Professor Carl Quigley, advisor to the State Department and the Pentagon and a whole bunch of other places as well, is picking uh, Rhodes Scholars for world leadership, like Bill Clinton. He said himself that uh, this is a new feudal system they're bringing in, and it will be run by the CEOs of corporations all working together, running the world in a socialistic, uh, collectivist fashion, with the elitist and the scientific elite at the top. And this is what they're now calling governance, global governance. There is no democracy. You simply obey and do what you're told. Back with more after this break. the matrix. And before I get on to tonight's stories, I should mention too that uh, on my sites, my website, you can find ways to order my books, etc., uh, and how to donate to me. And I always say that uh, PayPal is an easy way for most people today. Most folks seem to be using it. And there's PayPal buttons on the site. There's also uh, personal checks are good within Canada and the U.S. Uh, there's also international postal money orders, international ones. You can ask for the post office from the U.S. to Canada. And there's also MoneyGram and Western Union for overseas. Some people just send cash. That cuts out uh, the fees, at least on one end. So your help is greatly appreciated. And for those who donate, uh, that's, I'm telling you, it's just the same people who keep me going time after time. Because we live in a world of the me generation. Uh, after Bernays introduced the American system of consumerism, uh, he got together with uh, Lord Bertrand Russell, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, and he's brought over to England, despite his nephew still works there yet, advising the British government. And um, remember, they're all descended from Freud, these characters. But they all decided to, uh, under Russell's instructions, to create an egocentric society where people lived for themselves and themselves alone. So the world would revolve around them and they'd be hedonistic. That's what Russell said. That's why they brought Bernays over to, to get his uh, technique applied through school, through education, through media, entertainment, etc. Because part of the problem was for government to come in in a totalitarian collectivist system which they planned a long time ago, over 100 years ago. They had to abolish cohesion amongst com communities. They had to abolish. And what they did there, by the way, was so easy. They simply brought in government agencies to help in welfare and stuff like that, Meals on Wheels, where people used to meet each other, help each other out, and so on. That was the start of it. And now when someone loses their job or hits hard times, even their neighbors will say, well, there's always welfare. See, that destroyed community. So government took over the responsibilities and of, of the community, helping each other out, which is all part of the bonding process. Natural, kind, decent things to do. Because when it's your turn and you're in trouble, they'd help you out as well. The role of government is to make sure that they, uh, they eliminate all outsiders, and that also includes insiders, family members too, 
destroy the family unit so that government, when it comes down to you with your number, there'll be no one to stand up for you at all. That was planned, written about, as I say, read the Russell's books and all the rest of them. They, they talked about it and have never, ever gone off track with their plans and their agendas. When they make them, they follow them right through to the end. And we've all seen uh, the, the trends uh, in the last few years since 9-11, the big kickoff for the new world order. That's what it was for. Worldwide, we've seen the big transition into getting the public to accept torture through even movie, movies and dramas, serial dramas on television, we actually see some people shooting detainees in their legs. Of course, it's a good idea because they must get the information to save the bridge from getting blown up and stuff like that. But that's all to condition you. Uh, this is a different society you're now in. It's called governance, as I said. It's where you jump when you're told to jump and you obey. Or they'll fry you. They'll literally fry you. They'll electrocute you with their cattle prods, which they call tasers. I hope people really understand that that's what they're using on the public. Cattle prods, it's a different name. Because, you see, H.G. Wells said a long time ago that he and many others who wrote fiction and non-fiction, he said, sure, fictional work. Same with Arthur Kostler, who worked and admitted uh, eventually uh, for MI5. Uh, Kostler said that, um, and Wells said, they tried for... 50 years to change the mindset of the populations into how they should be thinking, meaning what they wanted you all to think through fiction. And Wells was complaining that they'd have to go much harder and become more brutal with the beasts, basically. That's the general population to speed up the process because the propaganda technique, the insertion of predictive programming and novels and movies was just getting too slow. There's nothing happening today that wasn't planned and discussed. And the ways of implementation gone through in minute detail a long time ago. Look at the Rand Corporation. Everybody's name on the planet is in there. And we're all treated as little egocentric, hedonistic beings that will avoid pain and seek pleasure. And anyone else's pain is simply disregarded. That's the society they've brought in. Therefore, it's easy to control the animals when everybody else can get pushed in front of them before it's their turn to be executed. The Washington Post wrote an article August 26, 2009. CIA releases its instructions for breaking a detainee's will. Now remember, don't think for a minute that detainees are simply about over there. The reason you've had so many articles about torture uh, overseas and camps and so on is to get you used to the idea because it's shortly coming here. It's to familiarize you with it. And it'll be just like the Soviet Union. When they come for your neighbor, you will say automatically, even though you thought it was a nice guy, you'll say, well, they must have done something wrong. And that's all you'll think about it. That's how it worked in the Soviet Union. It's coming here. It says by uh, Joby Warwick, Peter Finn, and Julie Tate. It says, as the session begins, the detainee stands naked except for a hood covering his head. Guards shackle his arms and legs and then slip a small collar around his neck. 
The caller will be used later according to CIA guidelines for interrogations. It will serve as a handle for slamming the detainee's head against a wall. This is official stuff. After removing the hood, the interrogator opens with a slap across the face to get the detainee's attention, followed by another, other slaps, the guideline state. Next comes the head slamming or walling, which can be tried once to make a point or repeated again and again. 20 or 30 times consecutively as bashing your head against a wall. is permissible, the guidelines say, if interrogator requires a more significant response to a question. And if that fails, there are far harsher techniques to be tried. Five years after the CIA's secret detention program came to light, much is known about the spy agency's decision to use harsh techniques, including waterboarding. That's when they they try and drown you. To pry information from alleged al-Qaeda, and it is alleged because we've had exposés on national television where the troops simply rounded up whole bunches of people and brought them all in for interrogation, just crowds in the street, just grabbing them. Fulfill quotas. This is now with the release late Monday of guidelines for interrogating high-value detainees. The agency has provided, in its own words, the first detailed description of the step-by-step procedures used to systematically crush a detainee's will to resist by eliciting stress, exhaustion, and fear. The guidelines, along with thousands of pages from other newly released documents, also show how the CIA gradually imposed limits on the program and eliminated some of the most controversial practices after the agency's medical advisors protested. So they were scared of having too many deaths in their hand. They had a lot of deaths in their hand, by the way, but nobody gives a damn because it's a defeated country they were doing it. See? Still by December 30th, 2004, the date of the CIO memo that outlines the guidelines to the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel, agency interrogators had grown adept at using sleep deprivation, stress positions, that's when you're crouched in a little cell and you can't sit down, you stand 24 hours a day, and you just can't even get down to sit. And sometimes multiple methods to create a state of learned, now this is very important for everyone that's listening, a state of learned helplessness and dependence. Because this state of learned helplessness and dependence is being used across the world. As we get used to obeying cops and military uniforms and all kinds of home security, etc., etc. They want you to feel completely helpless and dependent on being told what to do. You become dependent on your abusers. This is a technique not just used within the prison camps, but it's also outside as well. You're all being trained. And all this hullabaloo about terrorism was utter rubbish from the beginning for a world society and this was said years ago for a world society to come in they'd have to find a substitute for war because they'd have to bring in a world state you always find enemies within that's what the Soviet Union did once they'd won they had to find enemies within terrorists within you see that's standard procedure but That average person, when they see all these cops out in force and these guys in uniforms and combat gear with machine guns and so on, that's teaching you to be fearful. A state of learned helplessness and dependence. Don't forget that. So certain interrogation techniques place the detainee in more physical and psychological stress and therefore are considered more effective tools, according to the memo 
released from a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit filed by Amnesty International USA and the American Civil Liberties Union. The CIA on Tuesday declined to comment on the memo, which was written by an agency lawyer whose name was redacted from the document. But agency spokesman George Little noted that the interrogation program operated under guidelines approved by top legal officials of the Bush administration's Justice Department. Well, we know who they all are, because I've read articles before uh, on this. The program, which always constituted a a fraction of the CIA's counter-terrorism efforts, is over, Little said. Agency is, as always, focused on protecting the nation today and into the future. And actually, it's, it's continuing, as we all well know, but we'll go into that after the following break. through the Matrix, reading an article from the Washington Post to do with torture, which is still ongoing, by the way. It says here, as outlined in the memo, the agency's psychological assault on a detainee would begin immediately after his arrest. With blindfolds and earmuffs, he would be deprived of sight and sound during the flight to the CIA's secret prison. You know, this is, this is the stuff that, that people used to have rebellions over and previous centuries with their secret courts and their secret prisons and their secret torture and all the rest of it. It says here he would have no human interaction except during a medical checkup. I guess that's true because the brutes would be slamming his head against a wall you can't classify as human. But there's lots of them. In the initial days of detention, an assessment interview would determine where the captive would cooperate willingly by providing information on actionable threats. They've had programs on television, as I say, where they just were about to fulfill the quotas, just like Vietnam. They start shooting at anybody at all around them just to get the number count. And I've got I put video links up about that, too, from guys who took part in it. Same thing here. They have to get a quota every, every day or every week. And they just go out into the crowded streets and grab people and pull them in. People who knew nothing. It says if no such leads were volunteered, a coercive phase would begin. So that's the kind of world you see we're getting used to. Because to bring in this new world order that Fabian Socialist uh, Mr. Prime Minister Brown and all the other Fabian Socialists they want depopulation and a controlled, limited population and an obedient population. They have to use the brute force now. And it's fear they're using, plus coercion uh, by threats of using force on the general public in every country. And they're making sure we all know about the tasering incidents and the fact that nothing happens to any of the cops that use them. That's a message to us, you see. Different times, things have changed. And they had to kick it off. As I say, the century of change was talked about by academia and the eugenicists, now called bioethics committees, etc., in the last century. And they said that this would be the century of change, when all of this would change. What do you think century of change means? It's a completely changed system. Because brute force must be used with the brutes, you see. 
We're not people anymore. We're just simple brutes who don't know any better. And that's how you manage simplized and simplistic brutes, you see. And people are getting conditioned to get to put up with it because it's going to get an awful lot worse as they rush ahead. Here's an article here from The Telegraph. Police search babies for weapons and drugs. Three babies were searched for weapons and drugs by police, new figures disclose, 28th of August 2009. A Freedom of Information request found that a one-year-old and two babies, zero years of age, they weren't one yet, were stopped and searched by Norfolk Constabulary, that's the cops, this year. Police said that since 2007, 32 children aged nine and younger were searched by officers in the country. A Norfolk police spokesman said a typical call about a group of children and young people dealing drugs. See, they always had their darned excuses, you see. But you think they brought all this drug farce in when they first, and made sure the supply comes in. There's no problem with that. So these are the excuse of drugs to search babies. Furthermore, a child could be given drugs or weapons to stash, either willingly or unwillingly, even concealing such items in pushchairs or perams as perambulators. Since 2007, most of those searched were aged nine, but five babies not yet a year old were searched by officers. Two one-year-olds and three two-year-olds have also been subject to scrutiny by police. The past two years, a total of 6,113 children under the age of 17 have been stopped and searched in Norfolk. See, this is the stuff you get in totalitarian regimes. Walking down the street, and in comes, they always have an overwhelming force response now, and they stop you, and just, just like you're a, a creature, some simple creature, they just pad you down, empty your pockets, and all the rest of it now. That's disgusting. And we allow it to happen. And the more we allow it to happen, the worse it's going to get. Because we're being trained for more to come. Incredible. Incredible. And as if it's not enough that they're using the the, the wired cattle prods, they're calling tasers, to electrocute the victims, you know. They're getting even better stuff, you see, because they're on a roll. Mail online. And this is from 28th of August. Fears over new wireless police taser gun that can deliver a 500-volt shock from 98 feet away. Wireless. There's no wires on it. That's quite the velocity to hit you at 98 feet. It'll probably go further. It'll go through people's uh, throats and everything. You wait and see. I guarantee you. I guarantee you you'll start hearing about it. The ordinary taser, remember, I read that article where they shot a, a young girl who wasn't charged with anything. And... Uh, who just simply was, was trying to cross a road. They, they claimed she was running away from them after an argument with her mum. And they shot her in the back of the skull and it penetrated her brain. So these ones here will probably do a better job. It'll probably go right into the middle of the brain and then it'll deliver its payload. Fantastic, isn't it, that these sadists are getting all their own way. I'm going to read more of this when I come back from these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
Because you can handle the truth. Official uh, spokespeople 
doing all the work for you, there's only pe- the only person that's going to save you is yourself. I hope the public understand that. All of you should be getting into it on this and saying, hey, no way, no way, that's enough. Scrap them. A Home Office spokesman said the X-Rep is an extended range electronic project, a projectile marketed by Taser International. The Home Office Scientific Development Branch are considering as part of their ongoing remit to evaluate new, less lethal technologies against the ACPO operational requirements. So there you go. This is nothing. They've also got another Taser out of the Fire 3 at the same time. Must be for crowd control. And they'll have multiple ones, probably like Gatling guns. Uh, well, you're all going to see them used. Everybody who's listening here will see them used in their lifetime and not too far in the future because these sadists that they employ now and indoctrinate are just itching to use them. Itching to use them. Amazing. There's an article out of Montana. It's called the Bozeman Daily Chronicle, August the 27th. Both keepers aim to curb uh, federal power by Jessica Myra, Chronicle staff writer, with a bushy red beard, impish grin, and sandals. Elias, Elias, this is his, his altered name, doesn't look like a right-wing extremist. I'm interested in personal freedom, he said. Elias is working to make Montana the first state in the nation to create Oath Keepers chapters in every country, in a county. Oath Keepers, after forming last spring, is comprised mostly of military and law enforcement personnel aiming to resist what it sees as a federal government overstepping constitutional boundaries. It's time for the people to take the government back, said the 62-year-old alias, who until the name change was Franklin Shook. Since former U.S. Army paratroopers and Yale Law School grad Stuart Rhodes founded the national organization months ago, state groups have rapidly sprung up with highway patrolmen, military, county sheriffs, police officers, and according to the group, U.S. Department of Homeland Security employees signing on to stand against overreaching federal authority. It's amazing. It's people within it that stand up. The general public are just, you know, chewing away on the cud as they watch television and get entertained. So I'm getting calls from all over the country country from concerned people to Elias who lives in Willow Creek and is the editor of a new publication, The Gallatin County Patriot. Says the alarm is out there. While in office, President George Bush used the war on terror to make Americans afraid, and he's dead on with it. That was the purpose of the whole planned uh, 9-11 deal. He says the goal was to expand executive power under the guise of national security concerns, he said. And that's true. That is true, because if you look at the policy for a new American century, the group that comprised it, with Wolfowitz and all the rest of them, and you see who they were trained under Strauss. Strauss was a German Jew who came, left Germany. He was a Nazi, by the way. He believed in Nazism. He believed in the superior, the superior being. He believed in eugenics. And he taught uh, Rumsfeld and uh, these characters, Cheney, etc. So he's right on. The goal was to expand executive power under the guise of national security concerns. That's right out of Strauss's mouth, basically. Under that leadership, the Patriot Act and other maneuvers skirting established legal protections eroded constitutional mandates. 
These actions expanded federal authority over the states and increased surveillance of American citizens. Of course it was. Fear should not be a part of our daily lives, he said. And now President Barack Obama isn't reversing those executive maneuvers, Rhodes said. Before forming Oath Keepers, Rhodes, a former firearms instructor and libertarian who served on Texas Republican Representative Ron Paul's staff, had been warning folks for years about the dangers he sees in America's increasingly centralized power structure. And what does it say in the Communist Manifesto? Now that we're in collectivism, that you must get the absolute power centralized, centralized government, centralized power. But during the past several months, as a new administration stepped up, Rhodes' message has started to resonate with a larger segment of Americans, he said. They're kind of freaking out, Rhodes said, of the conservative flock. Meanwhile, Elias, a Vietnam vet who speaks with a drawl befitting someone who spent most of his life in Tennessee, has also grown increasingly alarmed. He's scared his grandchildren won't have the freedoms he grew up with, he said. You know, if people leave it to everybody else to do it for them, that they're doomed. Simple as that. And there's a site that's called Bird Flu Pandemic. It's hard to say if it's for or against it. But anyway, it says here, $1,000 per day fine and 30 days in jail for refusing the swine flu vaccine in Massachusetts, question mark. A new law just passed in Massachusetts imposes fines up to $1,000 per day and up to a 30-day jail sentence for not obeying authorities, not obeying authorities, during a public health emergency. Remember again what, what Lenin and then Stalin said? They'd create these agencies, they would get the services to begin with, then they become authoritarian institutions over the public. Well, that's what this is all about, too. Very old plan, and you're living through the last phase of it. It says here, so if you're instructed to take the swine flu vaccine in Massachusetts and you refuse, you could be facing fines that will bankrupt you and a prison sentence on top of that. Now, one of the definitions, the criteria for totalitarianism and tyranny is when you're coerced into a position with no exit left. No exit left. You just do what you're told because there's no exit. There's no way out. Nothing is left. There are no choices. It says the YouTube video below is a news report about this disturbing new law. In particular, pay attention at the 140 mark where the anchor and reporter discuss the new penalties for not obeying the health authorities during an emergency. So... It's really coming up. If you've not realized it yet, the controversy over swine flu vaccinations is, is about to get very, very real. The authorities know that a lot of people are extremely concerned about the safety of the swine flu vaccine, and they're putting the infrastructure in place to deal with those dissenters. That's what the camps are all about. Let's hope that the worst-case scenario of the swine flu does not take place, but the reality is that the health authorities across the United States are gearing up for the biggest vaccination campaign in the nation's history. It looks like this fall could be very, very interesting. Well, no kidding. No kidding, eh? It's, uh, it's quite, quite something. And then here's another one here. 
we all know, you see, and I've read the articles from the Club of Rome, it came up with the idea of using global warming as a means to bring the planet together under a war scenario, they said, under a warfare scenario, man against the planet. So they had to use warfare techniques to save the planet. That was from their own book, The First Global Revolution. And they say they came up with the idea in the 70s, the two founders of the big think tank that instructs all the other think tanks. And I'm telling you, I've said before, it doesn't matter if you're up to your eyeballs in snow for 12 months of the year, they're going to still harp on about global warming, although they're changing it to climate change, since the global warming is sort of cooling off a bit, you might say. It doesn't matter. The agenda's agenda, and it's part of a tool. It's one of the biggest tools to get us all to comply and change our entire way of living. It's all part of the eugenics program, too. This is all coming. Who can mate, who can get married, who can't? That's all coming down the pipe. And it's been spoken about openly by the Optimum Population Trust and all the other biggies that are funded by your tax money, grants, and by the big foundations who are the parallel government. But this, this may online actually is whether a supercomputer used to predict climate change is one of Britain's worst polluters. The Met Office, this is the 27th of August, the Met Office has caused a storm of controversy after it was revealed that their £30 million supercomputer designed to predict climate change is one of Britain's worst polluters. The massive machine, the UK's most powerful computer with a whopping 15 million megabytes of memory, was installed on the Met Office's headquarters in Exeter, Devon. It's capable of 1,000 billion calculations every second to feed data to 400 scientists and uses 1.2 megawatts of energy to run enough power to, more, to run more than 1,000 homes. The machine was hailed as a future of weather prediction. It's just amazing. See, in the old days, they used to, uh, infiltrators used to get into crown courts where the royalty lived. And they'd come under the guise of Nostradamus and stuff with a lot of crystal balls and the little bowls of water where they'd, they'd have little visions and stuff like that. Utter rubbish, of course, but people believed it. And before you knew it, they'd roll to eating out of their hands. It's good to make a move without a prediction. And this is the same technique they're using here. A computer can only spit out the information that's, that's put into it. And when you have the IPPC and all these characters making their living on the hope of uh, massive weather, uh, nasty changes then naturally the stuff they're putting in is going to give them the answers they want. So here's, the, here's their crystal ball, this massive machine. And we're supposed to obey the machines now, of course. It says, however, the Met Office's HQ has now been blamed as one of the worst buildings in Britain for pollution, responsible for more, for more than 12,000 tonnes of carbon dioxide a year. Don't worry, the taxpayer will pay for that. It says 75% of its carbon footprint, carbon footprint is produced by the supercomputers, meaning the machine is officially one of the country's least green machines. Green machines, green machines, green, 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 eh? <laughs> the green man of masonry, but they bring in their world of nature for the superior should rule inferior. Just astonishing, and we just put up with this stuff all the time. The scientific dictatorship is science, you know, it can't be wrong. Now, we'll go to the phones now, and we'll take Mike from Ohio, if he's there. Is Mike there? Yes, I'm here. Yes. How are you doing, Alan? Hanging in here. 
Yeah, me too. I'm just about directly south of you, I believe. Past, I'm on the shore of Lake Erie here. Yes. Sheffield Lake. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. And the first one is, how in the world did we ever get into this mess? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's, I, it's, it's it, quite it, easy. The, the guys literally started this agenda a hundred years ago with the big foundations uh with, the, with the, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, that has branches in every country, and all of their members now are the heads of every country. And they did it in a Fabian style of training people intergenerationally to accept small changes. But when you add them all up over 60 years or 70 years, they've turned your society upside down. If they'd done it all at once, people would have rioted and rebelled and overthrown them. But you accept all the small changes incrementally, and, and until until they've arrived, that's what the Fabian uh, that's what Fabian socialism means. You know? Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. You know, I, but I, I just still can't. I myself, years ago, I'm a Vietnam vet, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I noticed things, and I'd say things to my parents about, ah, nah, you're not, you know. But yep. 20 years ago, I said sooner or later, there's going to be. A, a, a revolt in this country with the things that they're, you know, the taxes and everything else that they're, all the other little things that they're doing. Yeah. I've noticed it, but I never ever would have dreamed that I'd see things like happening like they are in these days, you know. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, think of it too. I mean, it's one thing after another. As, as I say, in, in the last few hundred years, we've never had so many crises, real or imagined, thrown at us since 2001. Uh, coming plagues, it was bird flu, that faded away, that went away with the birds. And uh, then a swine flu, a, a bank crash planned, uh, of course, to rape the public. You're right, hold on and we'll come back after this break. And that also includes entertainment, a big, big part of it. Uh, just enjoy yourself, be happy, don't think about anything else. Plus, they gave them for 20 years of throwing credit cards at them and, uh, and allowing them to go and play and buy things. While all of these big institutions were setting up, they didn't notice uh, the massive police forces, really an army getting built up inside under the guise of drugs, now with helicopters and tanks and all the rest of it. They didn't notice these things. They noticed very little outside the mainstream media. And it's very true what Brzezinski said in his book, Between Two Ages, the public will shortly be unable to reason for themselves because they were training them then uh, only to believe the mainstream media, and that's all they would talk about. If, it, if you saw something with your own eyes and tried to explain it to someone, they'll ignore you if it wasn't on mainstream. Yeah. Scientific indoctrination. You still there, Mike? Yeah, I'm here. Uh... Alan, how do you think would be the best way to resist this when it starts to uh, actually rationalize on on the streets, like uh, like with these uh, uh, the Obamas uh, uh, spy spy brigades and all that? Oh yeah, oh absolutely. Um, I mean, really, the way to resist it is just to nip it in the bud before it really gets off the ground. When everything anything gets off the ground, it's generally too late because your back's against a wall. 
they're all throughout society. Uh, and, and the public, again, adapt very quickly uh, to, to new changes, and they just seem to accept it. And then they, they regret it much later on. You've got to nip these things in the bud and, and say then they're unconstitutional. You can't have secret societies uh, or, or juvenile cores of anything, whether it's Young Communist League or Hitler Youth or Obama's Youth. It makes no difference. It's all the same thing. It's got to be stopped now, and it's got to be by the will of the people. Because once it gets to the streets, uh, the reports that came out of the, the U.S. and British military think tanks for the next 30 years predict massive rioting and so on. Because, why did they predict it? Because they, know, they knew before they wrote it they were going to crash the banking system. They knew they were going to contract the food supply, restrict it. And they knew that they were going to bring us down into a state of simpler living, which literally means third world poverty status. So that's why they wrote this. And, and people were sitting, sleeping all through it and spending the last of their credit cards when all this was being said and done. Yeah. Do you remember after World War II what happened to the, the people that would run the newspapers? They were, run, they were running them. I believe they did hang a couple of uh, newspaper editors after World War II in Germany, didn't they? Oh, yes. Yes, they did. They had, um, they had Lord Haw Haw and a couple of other ones. And in fact, by the way, people don't realize that one of the top Freemasons of Britain, who started the, the Ordo Templi Orientis, uh, was actually one of the propagandists for the German media. And it turned out later he worked for MI6. That was, that was um, uh, Alistair Crowley. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and I was just kind of hoping that people would wake up. I'm seeing it slow but sure, but it's, I don't think it's happening fast enough. It's not happening fast enough, and people literally should. Uh, everybody's got to complain to all the right authorities, uh, constantly, every day, bombard them because, and you tell them you're not standing for it. Well, I've tried to talk to people, and some people are receptive, and others look at me like I'm nuts, you know. Oh, I know. Forget the ones who, who watch mainstream. Uh, I don't even waste time with them. Uh, you've got to help those who are, uh, who are thinkers. The rest of them are in the land of the dead. Their brains are dead. Uh, and it's the thinkers who end up being the doers and start motivating uh, others to do the same. But thanks for calling, Mike. And Ron from Texas will try to get back to you tomorrow if you can, or Monday if you can call in. I'm sorry I couldn't get to you. From Hamish, myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.